prayer that works. As opposed to prayer that doesn't work. Because there is such a thing. Prayer that doesn't work. And today we're going to get to the heart of it. Today in the, in, in the last step of this sermon, today we're going to get to the heart of maybe a prayer that doesn't work and we'll show you the corrective of it. See, Sometimes when we pray, we pray like this. Here's all the right words to pray, God. I offer it to you. Here's my life, God. You can have it. And we do this little hand. God, here's, here's my life. Here you go. Kind of tentatively, kind of, kind of hoping that God sees the best parts of us. Because I see the best parts of me. Right? And, and, and I hope that God affirms the best parts of me. And I hope that God likes that I'm dressing up everything as nice. Look how nice I look today. I'm wearing a blazer. Right? I hope that God can see just how far I'm trying to go to, ha- to, to please him. Look at, how, look, at, look at how good I am, God. Look, look, see that? And, and There's a whole element over here that I'm really hoping God never actually sees. It's not that it's terrible. It's not that I'm actually a bad person. Of course, I'm not a bad person. But I would just be more happy if God didn't take his Sauron like eye and shine it there to you. <laughs> I would be more comfortable if that, I mean, it's kind of not something I'm proud of. And so I come to God with this, and I get as much of God in return as what I've offered him. Well, where's God now? God never ceased to answer my prayer. Yeah. What did you offer to him? God knows all of you, and he knows that you offered the pretty side of you. But left this whole other side of you aside because it was, I mean, you can't pray like that in church. You can't, you can't express, you have to pray niceness. You have to pray nice words and, and well-articulated thoughts. You can't pray core stuff. And so we've learned to pray pretty. We've learned to present ourselves as good enough. And we spend our prayer energy trying to convince God and maybe convince ourselves that that's who we really are and this can just be ignored. Today we're talking about prayer that works. Today we're talking about repentance. See, there's a time in each one of our lives, maybe daily, when our lives don't reflect the God who creates us. There's a time in each one of our lives where our life doesn't reflect the God who creates us. And what are we to do with that? Do we simply ignore it? Or what do we do? There was a king many years ago devoted his life to God. He spoke with authority and accuracy to the things that God would have him do. 
God gave him victory. God expanded his territory. God moved him to do wonderful, glorious things. And in this time, the king saw that he was doing well for himself and for his kingdom. He sent people out to war. He trained such high, highly qualified generals that he no longer needed to be on the front line. He had organized his kingdom, and he was in power. The king was a good man, but he worked himself out of his sweet spot. And maybe you've experienced that in your own career, where you're in a good spot, and then you just work yourself out of a sweet spot. He was a tangible leader, but he had moved his leadership to become an administrative leader. This king was all about being on the front lines, and he had switched everything in the organizational structure of his kingdom, and now he's an administrator, and it wasn't where he's supposed to be. He had, de he had delegated his role to the point that he had lost all of his focus and all of his purpose. So in the springtime of that year, when the kings go out to battle, the king sent his general and his servants and his army and all the kingdom, and they ravished the enemy. They besieged their enemy, but the king remained at home because that was his job now. See, prayer was the main tool that this king had used to understand who God is, and the king's understanding of his identity created this king's understanding of God. Prayers that work search God's heart, and they give us a lens into our own. Prayers that work search God's heart and give us a lens into our own heart. A lens into who we are. And just like this king discovered, sometimes our life actions don't reflect the glory of God that we purport to serve. King David stood at the top of his dwelling in Jerusalem in 2 Samuel 11, 2-5. Takes the story over for me. It happened late one afternoon. When David arose from his couch, and he's walking on the roof of the king's house. And he saw from the roof a woman bathing, and the woman was very beautiful. And David sent and inquired about the woman, and one said, Is this not Bathsheba, the daughter of Elam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite? So David sent messengers and took her, and she came to him. And he laid with her. Then she returned to her house. The woman conceived and she sent to David and told him, I'm pregnant. In due course, after committing adultery and subsequently murder, David was discovered. And when he was confronted, he saw the discrepancy between who God is as the ruler of Israel and who he was. He saw the contrast in his actions when compared to God's actions. 2 Samuel 12, 13 said, David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. That's a unique thing. Isn't that strange? I think we're going to get into that in a little bit, but think about that. David, you didn't sin against the Lord. You sinned against Bathsheba. What about Uriah. David's like, no, 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 I sinned against the Lord. We're going to get into that in a minute. Nathan said to David, the Lord has also put away your sin. You shall not die. What grace. The next verse actually says what the consequence is. This discontinuity between the way that he acted and the way that he sees God brought powerful prayer that worked. We have that prayer. 
That prayer is Psalm 51. David's prayer of repentance is an archetype for us to understand as we see the discontinuity between our actions and God's character and his direction for humanity. Psalm 51 is where we're going to land today. What is the most powerful line in Psalm 51? I'd love to hear from you in Slack. As I read this and as you read it on the screen, read it with a prayerful heart. What's the most powerful line in this prayer of repentance? If you have digital, uh, digital apps, you can actually just copy and paste it. That's kind of cheating, though. Um, but anyways, it's fine. It's not cheating. Psalm 51. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love. According to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions. And my sin is ever before me. Against you and you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight so that you may be justified in your words and blameless in your judgment. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, you delight in truth and the inward being and you teach me wisdom in the secret heart. Purge me with hyssop and I will be clean. Wash me, and I will become whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones that you have broken rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence and take not your spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. Then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners will return to you. Deliver me from blood guiltness, O God, O God of my salvation, and my tongue will sing aloud of your righteousness. O Lord, open my lips and my mouth will declare your praise, for you would not delight in sacrifice or I would give it. You will not be pleased with a burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit. A broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. Do good. Sorry. Um, Do good to Zion in your good pleasure. Build up the wall of Jerusalem. Then you will delight in right sacrifices and burnt offerings and whole burnt offerings. Then bulls will be offered on your altar. So there's some points to to recall about this prayer. Repentance is not about resolving a a guilty feeling. Repentance is the appropriate response to the discontinuity of God's holiness and our actions. And repentance is more of a confession. Repentance is a realignment with God. Let's see. What are the the powerful pieces? Um, Creating me a pure heart, O God. Renewing me a spirit. Don't cast me from your presence. Don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Someone else says, uh, for I know my transgressions. If we don't know or think we're sinners. We won't see the need for forgiveness. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. God, you will not despise. So true. So repentance isn't about resolving a guilty feeling. I think we've been taught so often that that repentance is a way to forgiveness, and it is, but it isn't for the purpose of resolving guilt. That's not what repentance is for. Repentance, repentance is, is not about that re- removing the guilty feeling by owning up to your mistakes so that you can feel better. And, and church must be more than presenting the best parts of yourself 
to everybody else and say, oh God, here, here's a little bit of my heart, but you're not allowed to change it. Sometimes we do that, right? We put up pretenses in church. God, here's a little bit of my heart. You can't actually have the rest of it. You can't change it. But here's just a bit. Just enough. And God's like, no, 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 that's not what I'm looking for. Repentance is the appropriate response to the discontinuity of God's holiness and our action. Repentance is a response to the tension in your life between the way that you actually act and the way that God's character actually is. It's not like God's sitting and going, well, you have to do this and this and this and this and this and this and this. And this. No, it's look who God is. And then test your actions to see if they reflect that God. Is there, is there similarity? Did I respond to my child the way that God would respond to me? No? God, let me repent. Let me repent. God, you can have my heart when it comes to how I parent my child. You can have it. Repentance is the appropriate response to the discontinuity of God's holiness in our actions. And I think that we've gotten it wrong when we think that repentance is just the way that we... They're the, the, the Jays. Any, any, any Jays fans in the room? A couple of you? Sorry. What a disaster that last game was. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Okay, some of you do. We were in the playoffs, kind of. Wild card race. I don't know if that's actually playoffs, but whatever. We're going to get a wild card. Best of three series. The Jays get destroyed in game one. Our pitcher is doing a bang-up job in game two, and the coach pulls him in the fourth inning. Like, what are you doing? What are you, what are you doing? He's pitched 54 pitches He's got 95 pitches in him. What are you doing? Why are, why are you pulling him? Oh, well, there was a decision. We were going to pull him. No, no, no. That doesn't make sense. And so they, they pull the coach. Or sorry, they pull the pitcher. And the next pitcher had a sketchy season last year. I mean, this year he was better, but Kikuchi kind of had a sketchy season last year. And he had a sketchy end of the game. Jay's lost. General manager. Anybody ever hear anything that happened here? This is awesome. General manager is, uh, he's brilliant. He really knows how to handle the press. There's a, there's a narrative going on in the press saying... The decision to pull the pitcher happened before the game, and the coach was just following the rules that came from front office. So the general manager, he really knows how to do it. He, he gets up there, and he's like, yeah, we don't know. It was all the coach's decision. I don't know what this is about. And he points this ridiculous blame finger at the coach. Well, that doesn't work. So... The, 
the guy who's above the general ma manager, Shapiro, Mark Shapiro, he, he gets onto the mic five days later after, you know, sports commentaries are just going nuts on the general manager. Like, what kind of cowardly general manager are you? And sports manager gets there and he says, we screwed up. We messed it up. Why did I tell you this story? Because I was listening to the Fan 590. That's weird. But I was listening to the Fan 590 one day. I don't even know why. And uh, the broadcaster there said, you know what? I grew up Catholic. And in the Catholic church, we have this really, really cool thing. You'd go to church, you'd mess up and you'd go to church and then you could just get forgiveness by going to church and, and, and you would, you would tell, the, tell the guy in the box next to you that you did something wrong. And then the guy in the box next to you would say, oh, well, that was dumb, don't do that again. And then you'd be okay. And you could just walk out of there. And he goes, what I loved about that when I grew up, and he's talking on sports radio about his teenage experiences in confession. And he goes, what I loved about that is there wasn't, there wasn't any, like, discipline that happened. It just was okay now because I said it. And, and he said, Mark Shapiro has now stood up and said, yeah, we messed up. And he goes, now it's okay. Somebody's finally just said I messed up, and now it's okay, and it's just fine now. Oh, that hit me wrong. Repentance isn't just delineating a thing that you did wrong. Oh, God, I, I screwed up. And God goes, oh, that's okay, buddy. You're fine. Off you go. Nah. We need a better understanding of repentance. Repentance is the appropriate response to the discontinuity between God's holiness and our actions. It, we can't just let it sit and be like, oh, yeah, yeah, that's okay. Keep going, guys. David says, for I know my transgressions. I see that there is an objective metric that I'm not measuring up to. Repentance brings what I am trying to keep hidden to light. What I'm trying to put over here, repentance brings it to light and says, God, you see all of it. Let me, let me just be honest. My actions don't measure up to you. Change me. Help me. When was the last time you took a healthy, honest, accurate assessment of yourself in comparison to Jesus? Maybe it needs to be right now. What's over here in this space that you keep reserved? A healthy, honest response to the discontinuity. I know my transgressions. I see them. This is the way that I live that doesn't look like God. Look, you don't need commandments. You don't need commandments to let you know that there are things in your life that don't work. Jesus, or uh, David continues against you and you only have I sinned. This is where we get the comparison of God. The comparison to the character of God. 
It's against God that we sin. It's not against the people that are affected. It's against God himself. You didn't look like God's character. You didn't, you didn't act like God. And so God, in his gracious wisdom, wants you to be like, yeah, you didn't act like me. Come along. I'm going to give you the power and the strength to change that. To be transformed into the image of Jesus Christ. Against you and you only have I sinned. Actually, technically, King David was allowed to do what he did. There wasn't a law that said that he couldn't have any woman that he wanted. There wasn't a law that said that he couldn't leave Uriah out on the battlefront to die. There was no law that ruled David except for the comparison of God. God's not that type of king. God doesn't do that. Against you and you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your eyes so that you could be justified in your words and blameless in your judgment. The Christian's understanding of right and wrong is defined by the revelation of God. I wish we could see God in his clarity. I wish that the image of Jesus was ever before our eyes so that we could see how he lives. Look, I don't need it to be written. How many times have I gone into, into conversations with people and say, well, what do you think of this gray area? It's not in the Bible. Somebody asked me about that, about marijuana. It's not in the Bible. So, therefore, you know, whatever. It's not in the Bible, Pastor Ron. So, it's gray and we really... Okay, let's look at the character of God and let's look, at, let's look at Jesus and start to ask that question. Oh, right. I don't need a list of rules. What I need is a constant image of Jesus in front of me. Does Jesus do that? Does, does Jesus engage in the ways of the world that I want to engage with? There's a discontinuity there, and I, I feel shame. I feel like, what do I do with that? Well, when was the last time you take a healthy, honest look, accurate assessment of yourself in comparison to Jesus? This is the response that you give. When you get there, here's the response you give. Cast me not away from your presence. Take not your Holy Spirit from me. Purge me with hyssop so that I can be clean. That's where we get to. That's where that heart cry comes to. That's a prayer that works because he's not just offering the pretty version of himself. He's saying, actually, God, look over here. Come here. Come here. Can you cleanse this from me? Can you take this off of me? Can you remove this from me? Please, God, do something. I don't want to be separated from Jesus who's right here and so valuable to me and so important to me. I need you to do something here because guess what? I can't do it. I can't do it. I'm lost in my own deception, my own sin. I'm broken. I am hurting. And now I need a community that I can be honest in and say, God, please help me. Man, all types of things go into this. You know, Jesus didn't have the internet. How would Jesus live on the internet? How would he use it? Repentance is an honest alignment with God. Repentance is more than a confession. Repentance is a realignment with God. Matthew 5, 48. You therefore must be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. Well, thanks. 
I'm not going to lay, I'm not going to sugarcoat that. You must be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. We interpret it to be obeying the written laws and code, but it makes more sense to act exactly as God would act. Have an image of Jesus in front of you so that you say, how would God act here? Pursue the character of God and let it live out in your actions. Be perfect as your heavenly father is. Repentance is about the life adjustment that comes from that comparison. There's stuff here that you need to make life adjustments about, not because it's written in a law, not because it's, not because it's being forced on you by some institution, but because the Holy Spirit's at work in your heart right now. And he's touching something in your heart and mind and saying, that one right there. Let me, will you become malleable? Will you become changed? Will you let me shape you? Because the outcome, you will be like Jesus. You will do what he did. You will love like he loves. You will have compassion like he has compassion. You will have boldness and strength to confront the religious systems. I'm going to make you like Jesus. And that person's a hero. That person's my hero. That person's a person that I want to be like more than I want to be like anybody else I've ever met. Create in me a clean heart, O oh God. Renew a right spirit in me. God, let my life reflect your greatness. In what ways? And I actually want you to do this on Slack. Please, build, build yourself up here in honesty. In what ways does your life accurately reflect the goodness of God? What do you do in your life right now that accurately reflects the goodness of God? Because you know what? As much as we have this, we do genuinely have this. And this is good. And I don't want to cry that or lose that or make you feel like a, you came to church to get beaten up. I just want you to be able to list right here, this is what I have. I look like God here. In what ways does your life reflect it? Because you wouldn't delight in sacrifices or I'd give it. You would not be pleased with the burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, broken and contrite heart, oh God, you won't despise. So repentance is the appropriate message to the discontinuity between God's holiness and my action. God, there are many of us in this room that need that continual repentance. The continual holistic honesty that says, here's all of me, including the part that I've, that I've hidden away. Here's all of me, and I bring it, it to you. And I say, God, which part do you want to mold into your image? Which part do you want to shape me with? Which part are you, are you working in me? God, genuinely shape us, please. We don't want to be a pious congregation that does all the right things and looks all pretty and wears their sports jackets to church. We want to be a genuine people who can be honest and say, yeah, I probably smoke too much weed, or yeah, I probably have too many issues on the internet, yeah. I'm that person, but God created me a clean heart. Yeah, I didn't treat my child the way that I wished that, that I would have. I lost my temper. 
yeah, I'm that person that's not perfect, but God created me a clean heart. Jesus, there are people in this room that probably need to ask you that question from their heart to you. And Jesus, I pray that you would respond with your grace and your love. Not respond like the priest who says, oh yeah, yeah, it's all good. But respond with the ability to be changed in the presence of a holy God. Today we offer our hearts to you and we say, change us, Lord, to become more like you. Accept us, Lord, the whole person of who we are. Accept us as we are. Thank you that you do. Thank you that you have accepted us, that you, that you have brought even that baggage. You've brought that into redemption. You've brought all of who I am, and you've accepted me, and now I just pray you created me a clean heart. And so, Jesus, for every single one of us who knows that is our desire, I pray that you would affirm that in us and that the light of the world would shine through us into our community as we prayed about before the sermon. In Jesus' name, amen.